Welcome back to the Damage Counter Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you got Phelan over here. Josh over here. And I want to thank you all for joining us on episode 27. This is your bi-weekly podcast of all things Pokemon TCG. We've got a, as always, we've got a great episode lined up for you. We've got a Zapdos from Supreme Victors lined up in our card of the day. Going to be uh, talking about that a little bit. Of course, we got some news. Uh, not a lot of it, but there is some news, some regionals that happened. Uh, we're going to be talking about some spicy Crown Zenith cards in our 60-card showcase. Got some Radiant Eternatus action going on there. And then finally, now that we're done with the the one-year celebrations, we're finally going to get to uh, take a deeper look at the revealed cards from Scarlet EX and Violet EX, which I'm very excited for, so... Looking forward to that, but Josh, my man, as we always start things off, how you been? Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> I've been pretty good. I, uh, you know, I started a new position at work, so been getting used to all that, learning a whole lot. Uh, that's been going pretty well. Besides that, I haven't been doing too much else. I've just been chilling for the most part. I haven't been playing too much Pokemon because I'm not gonna lie, I'm not really interested in anything right now, like deck wise. I don't know. I'm kind of in a rut. Yeah, this format kind of blows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... uh, Which is low-key why we've been pushing the retro content so much lately. Um, of course, we're, you know, back to standard this week. But, uh, yeah, next weekend we may not be talking a whole lot about standard, I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, I have actually uh, been looking at building an Eternatus Expanded deck. Nice. Since, you know... Well, you know, Eternatus is going to be gone soon, so. Yeah, I got to immortalize it and expanded. Yeah, so I figure if I'm going to make, like, an expanded deck, why not do it with, like, one of my favorite Pokemon cards of all time? So, you know, I've been checking that out along with the uh, retro formats that me and you have been talking about. But that's really about all I've been up to Pokemon-wise. What about you? You've been a little more active than me. A little bit. Uh, I will say Eternatus is a great, uh, a great pick for expanded. Uh, because, you know, it helps that you hit weakness into the best deck in the format, which is Shadow Rider Calyrex, so that's really good. And just, you know, in general, just turbo eight Pokemon into play, and then you have all, the, all these different versatile dark-type Pokemon in the game's history from black and white forward, and there's a lot of them, for sure. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely at oh. the top of my list, or one <laughs> of the ones at the top of my list to build for Expanded. Yeah, I've come to find out how many Dark-type Pokemon there is. When I was scrolling through lists, just trying to get an idea what my options are, I'm not going to lie, I was a little overwhelmed. Yeah, it, it's one of those types, like, I don't know, Pokemon prints a lot of good Dark-types very frequently. It's very funny to me. Oh yeah, for sure. But on my side of things, uh, yeah, like you said, been a little bit more active. We had Orlando Regionals this past weekend, so went out there, had a good time. Did not uh, do particularly great, and I feel a little, you know, a little red in the face about it. I went on Twitter, on um, Discord, Facebook, and I was like, I'm about to day two this regional. This is going to be sick. Like, I was probably more confident going into this regional than I was, like, any other event I've played in. And I walked out with my worst record to date. Uh, came out of there at a two five two with uh, Radiant Eternatus uh, Duraludon. It's all right. It happens. It yeah, it, it does happen, and it's just one of those things. I was like, well, just wasn't in the cards today, so 
We got Knoxville coming up in a couple of weeks, so I'll just refine my play and do well there. Um, I'm I'm gonna keep it real with you. I'm not playing Radiant Eternatus to Ralentine to that. that I was, don't blame uh, you. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it, it's a thing. We'll talk about it more in the sixty card showcase. Um, but it, you know, at the very least, it's a fun deck, right? Like when I could get it to work. Uh, you know, you're just like, all right, you're staring down two Duraludon or a Duraludon and a Pikachu or, you know, just a lone Pikachu, you know, whatever. And it's just like, all right, good luck. <laughs> and oh, well, it's just sitting there like, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what was the biggest issue you seemed to run across while you were trying to pilot it? Uh, getting the Eternatus out. It's a one of, and, you know, if you got a bad start, maybe you started Oranguru and no way to draw or you only have one flower selecting, you got to hope it works out for you. Or, uh-huh. you know, if the Radiant Eternatus is prized, then you have to, like, go turbo and dig for the Suian Heavy Ball. Uh, it's it's a little I, awkward to get it out sometimes. Yeah, I guess that's the problem with uh, relying pretty heavily on a one-of card in your deck. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, Inteleon Box that relies heavily on Radiant Charizard, because... Oh, my Radiant Charizard's prize? Cool. Shady Dealings, Sasuian Heavy Ball? Done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not uh, not quite the same, unfortunately. But it is what it is. Uh, like I said, it is a very fun deck, at the very least. And a friend of the show, Jake Riggs, uh, brought a similar list. Uh, we played the same 59 cards. He played one card different than I did. And uh, I think it was like two wins away from making day two with the list. So there's something there. Uh, but whatever it is, I was not able to, to bring it out. <laughs> but aside from that, you know, after the regional, uh, we went to Wonderworks in Orlando, which is like this really crazy, wacky science slash history type deal. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to explain. Just look it up. It's this giant ups, literally upside down building with all these different exhibits with science and history and stuff like that, as well as like other just you know, non-educational recreational stuff like laser tag and stuff like that. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That definitely made up for, uh, you know, the the rough experience that was day one of Orlando. So, had a good time with the boys when we went out there. Uh, shout out uh, to Caden. Uh, he's a junior in our area. He got second place in the juniors division at, uh, at Orlando. Yeah, dude, it's incredible. So, yeah. he got top eight at Peoria. And he's been, you know, he's been hitting up the regionals uh, about as long as I have. So he got top eight at Peoria, and then he came out to this one and got second place. His final record, I think, was like 5-2. Like, his only loss was like, uh, I think, or no, it was 5-2-1, because he ID'd his last round of Swiss. So he lost one round in Swiss and then didn't lose again until the finals. Kid's a legend, dude. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that sounds like some good potential there for when he gets into Masters. Oh, yeah, no, if he sticks with it, he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be unstoppable for sure. So, shout-outs to him. Very proud of him for his performance. Um, other than that, last thing I want to mention about Orlando, we're saying, man, Wolf Glick got that world champ difference, bro. Yeah. Wolfie taking home the gold in VGC. I was watching it since, you know, I was I was just hanging around the venue, I was watching it, and I was like, oh my god, dude, that man is insane. <laughs> I haven't seen any of that, but that's sick. You, you 
Just go watch the finals, man. You're going to be like, what in the world? <laughs> Am I? Is it that crazy? Yeah, dude. He pulled out He pulled out the absolute gimmick for this regional. But, but I mean, it worked. So, oh, gosh, yo. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Other than that, you know, the last thing I did at Orlando, you know, I went around some of the vendors. Still had, like, some of my Christmas bonus left over, some Christmas money. Uh, so I started buying some Max Rarity cards. Decided that... No matter what, I'm going to make a Sylvie on the list that is at least as competitive as it possibly can be for the Crown Zenith format. And then I'm just going to max rarity it. So I picked up like an alternate art Arceus V, alternate art Urshifu V, uh, among a couple other things. As well as some cards for retro decks that I'm working on and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, had had to get some retail therapy in there. <laughs> gotta buy my happiness back yeah i gotta buy the happiness back but uh yeah ab- absolutely action-packed week at uh at orlando in fact i only just got back today at time of recording so <laughs> <laughs> you know right out of the frying pan and into the fire as they say but uh you know speaking of orlando you know we gotta talk about it it was uh the largest regional to date at uh, whew, like fifteen hundred players, I mean, good lord, dude, it was insane. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's a lot of people. Oh my good lord, dude! I never like every time you think it can't get bigger, it does, and just yeah, wow. We'll we'll talk about it for sure. But before we do that, Josh, we mm. have Zapdos and card of the day, uh, fun little card from Supreme Victors. Uh, set from the Gen 4 era. So let's go ahead and get into it. Alright, so I don't know a whole lot about the Diamond and Pearl era of the TCG just yet. That's not one that I've uh, got super uh, super researched on. But let's go ahead and read out Zapdos here. So Zapdos is a 70 HP lightning type basic Pokemon. For 3 lightning energy, it has the lightning burn attack for 30 damage. Flip a coin. If heads, this attack does 30 damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon. Don't apply weakness and resistance. If tails, Zapdos does 30 damage to itself. Something tells me this is more of a collector's piece. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I had never seen this card before, actually. So I read it through when you sent it to me. And I was like, this seems pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I mean, this It is... does look cool, though. Yeah, oh, it absolutely looks cool. And I think you know, maybe this is something that like would have been good in like the base set era, but like by the whew, by the time we get to Diamond and Pearl, man, I mean, come on, uh, thirty for three, three lightning, not even like any colorless in there or whatever, not really cutting it. But the reason we have this here is this is actually submitted to us by Caden, uh, who I mentioned in our intro. Uh, he mentioned that this is one of his favorite cards, so figured we'd talk about it here on the show today. And yeah, I think the real selling piece here is is absolutely the artwork. It's got Zapdos, center of the picture, his wings sprayed out. It kind of got this really cool, you know, it's like the uh, the the dotted kind of hollow foil pattern that we've seen on a lot of cards. The I think that's a Cosmo actually, uh, which is really cool. And then it's got like these kind of stars coming in from the side at Zapdos. It's all very cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's cool. The Zapdos is done in like this weird like half cartoony but half kind of like ancient wall writing kind of style yeah, yeah. that's my favorite part yeah it looks sick and also worth noting that this is actually a secret rare 
uh, in Supreme Victors. This is 150 out of 147. Um, Secret Rares weren't as pretty back then as they are now. Really, all you have to denote it is the golden frame, uh, you know, where the... Uh, the Pokedex number and the height and weight of the Pokemon is, or where it says basic. You know, all of that is gold. Uh, <laughs> but other than that, you really wouldn't be able to tell it's a secret rare, judging by today's standards. Funny how all that changes. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Now, according to PKMN cards here, it's looking kind of like the absolute low for this card is like $27. So I, I'm assuming that's like maybe damaged, I guess. Mm -hmm. Or like heavy played or something like that. So not necessarily a cheap one uh, by any means, but you know, that that's to be expected for old retro uh, secret rare cards, you know, especially of gen one Pokemon. Yeah. Those are uh, all pretty expensive for what I've seen. You know, if you're trying to get a hold of them these days. Yeah. And actually that, you know, that is something that like the diamond and pearl era has like, a lot of like a lot of gen one secret rares we covered one on the show earlier uh i don't remember what episode it is but we covered the secret rare charmander uh which is a reprint of uh the charmander from the base set i want to say it is mm -hmm. uh so that's pretty cool and then you know they have the reprint there's there's a reprint of the charmeleon the charizard uh scyther electabuzz hitmonchan uh i don't think this zapdos is a reprint uh but either way it it seemed that was a really popular thing for Pokemon to do was to like make Gen One Pokemon secret rares. I guess that makes sense, honestly, when you think about it. It's a good way to like celebrate your first hundred and fifty one and whatnot. That is true. That is true. Uh, which we all know Pokemon loves to do a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, my brand new Gengar and Pikachu Squishables are testament to their love of the <laughs> original hundred and fifty one. <laughs> I mean, hey, they're classics. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our Card of the Day segment. A quick one, but a good one nonetheless. And, of course, as always, if y'all have any cards you want to submit to our Card of the Day segment, you can feel free to hit us up on Twitter at DamageCounter, DamageCounterPodcast at gmail.com if you prefer G uh, email. But also, you can hit us up on our Discord. That's right. If you missed our last episode, we opened up a community Discord server. You can hop in there, join in on the conversation with us and other Damage Counter fans. Got a couple people in there already. We've uh, had some good conversations. Uh, links to that will be in the episode description. Uh, and I just opened a submission channel. That way uh, people can submit uh, cards for card of the day or decks for a 60 card showcase, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, if you got a card that you love, send it our way. We'll, we'll give it a shout. Yeah, we... You know, we love to talk about y'all's favorite cards. We love to talk about our favorite cards. Absolutely. But Josh, you speak, you're talking about it, uh, these secret rares being a great way to celebrate Pokemon's original 151. Uh, well, turns out Pokemon actually has a bit of a celebration plan for that in the TCG coming up. So let's go ahead and get into our new segment and talk about it. All right, so this one's a little weird, Josh. Uh, you know, we've, we've touched on in the past in previous episodes that uh, famous illusionist Uri Geller, uh, you know, had that whole lawsuit with Pokemon, told them they're not allowed to print any more Kadabra cards as he 
had thought that Cadabra was uh, basically stealing his likeness. Uh, he was not happy about it. But uh, as we know from a new story from a couple months ago, Uri Geller has talked to the Pokemon company. They've settled their differences and he is allowing Cadabra to be printed on Pokemon cards again. We sort of thought that we would see it in Silver Tempest since we got Radiant Alakazam in the set. We thought that they might also throw in a one prizer Alakazam line, but that did not happen. So we were still kind of waiting on Cadabra to make its appearance until Uri Geller uh, comes out on social media and says, hey, Pokemon card 151 will be releasing in June and it will feature Cadabra as well as a bunch of other cards featuring the original 151 Pokemon. I gotta be honest, I'm not really sure that, that Pokemon was wanting that information out that quickly. This is a little soon, even for Pokemon TCG standards. <laughs> uh, you know, we had heard news of the Japanese set, uh, which, you know, around this time is about normal. But uh, Uri Geller out here is uh, just uh, practically announcing the English set, too. So... I mean, of course, you know, obviously we know it's coming since we know the Japanese set, but it's just, it's just funny to hear it announced so soon, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you might have, uh, yeah, this might have been a little uh, too soon, but I can understand being excited about this, you know? This is really cool to finally see happen. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, and if you missed the previous news story, uh, you know, Uri Geller had, uh, had stated that he, you know, he had felt bad uh, for the Pokemon community for just basically gatekeeping a single Pokemon for being in the TCG for over 20 years at this point. And so he's like, hey, you know, I, I you know, that was a bit uh, over the top of me. I shouldn't have done that. I apologize to all the Pokemon fans. We've worked out our differences. And, you know, we're going to, I'm allowing Pokemon to do Kadabra. And I, I like that he's being so involved with this because, you know, with the message he sent to uh, uh, Sunakasa Isihara, president of the Pokemon company, as well as just kind of his recent statements on social media. You could tell like he's really passionate about this. Like he's like, hey, I messed up. I want to do this right. Uh, so much so that he actually sent a voice message to Poke Beach. And of course, Poke Beach is a great website. Y'all should go check it out. It's where we get all our news. Uh, he says, hi, my dear friends. I am pleased Pokemon fans are excited to see Kadabra return to the card game. Look, I want to thank Pokemon fans who reached out to me over the last few years, including the ones from Poke Beach who kept contacting me nonstop. So basically, it was you and my granddaughters that got me to change my mind. Now we can all see Kadabra reunited with the original Pokemon in the card game this summer. I love you all, and I admit, totally open and honest, I was a fool. It was a devastating mistake for me to sue Pokemon. Kadabra was basically a tribute to Uri Geller, but it's back now. Forgive me. I love you all. Much love and energy. And I mean, if that isn't wholesome, I mean, come on. It definitely is. Like, I love that he, uh, I don't want to say something like matured, but I love that like he eventually was able to change his mindset to see this as something instead of stealing his work. It was actually something that uh, was kind of celebrating it, you know? Exactly, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I think that's an absolutely great takeaway. And, uh, you know, with, with more details coming uh, about this, Concerning the card set itself, of course, we know it is a set that's going to be featuring the original 151. Cadaver's going to be coming back. But there also has been confirmed to be an Alakazam EX in the set. So not only are they bringing our boy Cadaver back, but they're making sure he's getting a healthy, 
healthy stage two at the end of that line too. <laughs> I, I hope it's really good. I, I hope it's fantastic. Yeah. Which is, you know what? In, in all honesty is a little ironic because if Alakazam EX is really good, there's a world where like most Alakazam EX decks are going to play like zero to one copies of Kadabra and just use rare candy anyway. <laughs> Uh, which is common with stage two decks, but still, but still. It's the thought that counts. It is, it is. And if I play Alakazam EX, there is going to be at least one Kadabra, right? Oh, at the very least. At the very, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. So just a, just a really nice feels good story. And we also get a bit of an insight to the future of uh, what's expected in the Scarlet and Violet era. And again, what a feel good story, man. I mean, how wholesome is this? Oh yeah, definitely. Very wholesome. Absolutely love it. You'll love to see it. So be on the lookout uh, as we get closer to June. Pokemon 151. Uh, I feel like a lot of people are going to just try out Alakazam EX just on principle of things. Uh, But that's neither here nor there. Uh, Before we start talking about Orlando Regionals, we've got our last uh, non- tournament related news story and this is a big one and also a really sad one uh on january 31st it was announced that crown zenith is going to be the final expansion set added to the pokemon trading card game online now that doesn't mean that the you know ptcgo is getting sunset or anything yet it's not being shut down or anything but they mentioned that you know Scarlet and Violet isn't going to make it to PTCGO. There's not going to be a rotation. They're not, you know, the tool card errata isn't going to come to PTCGO. It, PTCGO is at its end. You know, Crown Zenith is the last set. That's it. And that's uh, that's all we're going to see from it. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely sad, but uh, honestly, I can't say it's too surprising. I've been kind of expecting this to happen sometime soon. You know, it's it's like we said, PTCGO has been limited ever since uh, Live's beta went up, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, yeah, let's 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 not beat around the bush here. It's something that we all knew was coming. Like it was going to happen eventually. I got to be Definitely honest. Definitely still sad. Yeah, absolutely sad because, you know, go back and listen to our full review of Pokemon TCG Live's global beta. We are not thrilled. <laughs> Definitely um, still needs some work. Oh my god, it needs so much work, <laughs> but I'm not going to get on that. I'm not going to get on that soapbox right now. Um, but yeah, so it's just one of those things where it's like, we knew it was going to happen, we just weren't sure how soon it was going to be. And I gotta be honest, I didn't think it was going to be this soon, if I'm being honest with you. I figured that we would have at least gotten the first Scarlet and Violet set, maybe the second one, because uh, we are still... Uh, pretty deep into the team challenge, which is held on PTCGO. So uh, not entirely sure, but the Pokemon company has come out and said that, Hey, this is going to be the final set for PTCGO. We are removing resources from the product so that we can put all of our effort towards Pokemon TCG live, which is in global beta right now, uh, which is all well and great. You know, don't get me wrong. I guess the more resources that game has, the more potential it has to uh, improve as a product. However, Pokemon Trading Card Game Online is developed by Direwolf Studios. And Pokemon TCG Live is being developed in-house by the Pokemon Company. So I'm not really 
entirely sure what resources are being freed up there. You know what I mean? Uh, of course, there's probably like some stuff in the background that obviously we don't know about. Uh, perhaps some TPCI employees working with Direwolf. I don't really know, but it just seems weird to me. So I I don't like this because I don't like live. But uh, I mean, if if this truly does mean that more resources can be directed to live to make it a better game at the end of the day, man, let's just say I hope by the time we get to March 31st, live is playable. Let me just say that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you that I do think it's a little surprising that they've announced this now. But I guess in a way it does make sense. Like, we're about to have rotation, you know, the brand new uh, Scarlet and Violet sets are about to be coming out here fairly soon. I guess it is kind of a good time to halt progress on PTCGO, because I don't know how early, you know, they start putting new cards into the game before they drop them all for us. But I imagine it does take a decent amount of work, so who knows? It's like you said, it's technically made by a different company, but maybe they're partnering together to try to make live the best they can. And if that is what they're doing, uh, probably that's the best move to try to get live into a decent spot. Because I'm going to be honest, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's in a decent spot <laughs> right now. Oh, it hasn't. It, yeah, it is not. I think the... Uh... I think Fury Sewed Girl and Hisuian Zoroark, uh, the the one prizer from Lost Origin, they've been bugged for like close to like two months now. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I uh, I stopped using Live as soon as we did our episode on it. <laughs> yeah, I, my usage of it has definitely fallen off. Um, I like still use it for like when I'm on the go. So like I, you know, I played it at the airport or in the hotel over the weekend while I was traveling, but. Um, aside from that, I really only use it to put together like the decks we use for 60 card showcase because it's a lot easier to do it there, even though the game is bugged out. I sometimes lose games because of just random PTCGL things, you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, I, otherwise I'm just like playing on PTCGO or I'm just contacting my friends and be like, hey, let's meet up at the card shop, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't, I do live is just, it's a mess. So, you know. It's basically business as usual until we get to March 31st. Uh, you know, so if you're if you're somebody that frequents online tournaments, don't don't freak out just yet. Uh, you know, it's business as usual, but by the time we get to March 31st, Scarlet and Violet comes out, the rotation goes into effect, the tool card errata goes into effect. Man, if you're looking to still play heavily in the online space, Oh, that might that that might be your time to migrate. I, I, yeah, I I don't like to recommend that, but you know if PTCGO isn't being supported anymore and you got to practice using online tools, what else do you got? Yeah. So some some bittersweet news there. Actually, no, it's just bitter news. Actually, it's very bitter news. Um, but we all knew it was coming, and again, I'll I'll happily eat my words if live is playable and actually functions by the time we get to rotation we'll see but uh yeah that's uh don't like that (laughs) (laughs) but let's pull ourselves away from that and head on down to the sunny beaches of orlando florida for the only regional we have to talk about this week our final news story 
Um, of course, like I said, I was there. Crazy event. Uh, we had 1,485 players. 1,485 players. Holy crap. <laughs> a lot of players. It's a lot of players. And thanks to RK9 and Limitless TCG, we have all of the deck lists for day two. So I will leave a link to the Limitless page in the episode description. So if you want to go check out all the deck lists for yourself, you're more than welcome to do that. We'll cover a few of them here, uh, including all of the top eight lists. All three of them. You'll see why I say three in a second. Uh, But before we get into the top eight, Josh, as always, is there anything that stands out to you outside of the top eight? Oh, still see my boy Reggie going strong in the top 30. <laughs> yeah, Reggie Box actually came out pretty strong at this event. A lot of people playing That's, Reggie Box. It's honestly a little surprising to me, I'm not going to lie. It's one of those things, right? Like, we know it's a good deck, right? But, like, the yeah. problem is, how does it do in the Lugia? And, you know, that all just depends on what the Lugia player is playing, right? If they're playing Manaphy Dunsparce, then, like, you just kind of (laughs) lose, which feels really bad. But if they're not playing Manaphy Dunsparce, it's it's workable. Not great. Not fun, necessarily. But, you know, 50-50 at least, right? Yeah. Um... And I think the I think the Lugia players caught wind that there was going to be a lot of Reggie Box this weekend because uh, a good number of the Lugia lists were playing Dunsparce Manaphy, uh, which is why I think ultimately we didn't see Reggie Box hit the top cut. Spoiler warning. Uh, but I mean, it's still a good, solid, consistent deck all around. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm going to be honest. Besides that, the only thing that kind of really catches me by surprise is the Spido Control deck in 18th. Uh, we're we're big fans of control here. Can you tell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> Ditto Control is interesting. We saw this archetype appear in one of the European regionals. I don't remember which one, and I don't remember who piloted it. So I apologize for that. But uh, yeah, I got to be honest. Uh, you know, I I kind of had a feeling that like control would be pretty good this weekend. Mm-hmm. We did see a lot of Eveltal control this weekend as well. Uh, but I got to be honest, I was not expecting to see the Ditto Control come out. And, uh, <laughs> funny enough, both very funny and very sad, uh, the, this Ditto Control is the highest placing deck with a brand new Crown Zenith card. <laughs> and that is going to be the one prizer Calyrex card, which for two colorless energy has the King's Instructions attack and deals 30 damage. It says you may search your deck for up to two cards, put them into your hand, shuffle your deck. A great card for control. Get something stranded in the active, thanks to Galar Mine. And then, oh, you can't attack me? Cool, well, I'm just going to search my deck for more cards to keep controlling you. So, pretty cool stuff there. Uh, but yeah, Ditto Control, full of all these really insane basic Pokemon that control the game in different ways. Eveltal with its Cry of Destruction attack, discarding special energy. Regilecki to get things from the discard. Sandile to mill. Uh, Jinx to force your opponent to switch. Ice Cube to block uh, basic Pokemon from attacking. Morpeko using its Torment attack uh, to prov- uh, basically lock one of your opponent's attacks and tell them they can't use it that next turn. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff here. And of course the Ditto is what ties it all together, being able to use all of those attacks 
as long as said Pokemon are in the discard pile. Really cool deck, and it's one that I want to try out at some point. It definitely looks like a lot of fun. Oh, like I said, we're big fans of control here. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, absolutely killer deck. Uh, one that I want to shout out as soon as I can get back to the page here. There we are. One that I want to shout out is going to be Ramon Mor- uh, Morales in 56th place. Uh, one of the higher placing Arceus Flying Pikachu lists. And if you all listen to the show, you know I love Arceus Flying Pikachu, right? It's one of my favorite decks. I love that. First off, I just love Arceus, but I also love uh, building Arceus to counter the meta. And of course, we know Flying Pikachu is one of the best cards to counter the meta with its max balloon attack, making it immune to basic Pokemon, essentially giving you an auto win against Lost Zone Box and Regibox. But this list foregoes, you know, the old text of the Espeon and things of that nature, and goes for a 2-2 Alolan Vulpix V-Star line as a way to lock down the Lugia matchup, which is pretty cool. It definitely is pretty cool. And of course, you've got all the other classic stuff in here, like the Drapion to deal with Mew, the Radiant Gardevoir to reduce the damage you're taking, uh, Heavy Path, Heavy Marnie, stuff like that. A copy of Piers, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to shout that card out every time. That card is so good and more people should play it. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Love me, my peers, dude. So, yeah, that that was the big one I wanted to shout out here. Um, And, of course, there are a couple other interesting lists. Uh, For the sake of time, I'm not going to go too deep into them, but there's like a Lost Zone, Flying Pikachu, uh, Makani Tran, Returned with his Arceus Anti-Meta Toolbox, uh, which was really cool. Ian Robb uh, came out, got 10th with Palkia and Teleon, a deck that a lot of people have just written off at this point. Uh, had some had some interesting technology in there with the Crabominable and stuff like that. So, uh, really cool all around, but it's time for us to get into the top cut. And in the top 8, we have, starting from 8th place, working our way up, we have Grant Hayes playing Mew Genesect. Austin Reed, John Eng, Reagan Retzlov, and Calvin Connor from 7, 6, 5, and 4, all playing Lugia Archaeops. Nicholas Moffat uh, being the lone Lost Zone Rayquaza box in the top cut. And then the finalists being Isaiah Bradner in second, Andrew Hedrick taking it all home, both of them playing Lugia V-Star. If you were following along there, yes, that was six Lugia V-Star in top cut. That's a lot. I'm I, I'm not happy about it. <laughs> no, uh, I don't think a lot of people are. Honestly, I think people are pretty sick of Lugia. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely uh, a toxic reaction uh, from most people. I remember, you know, we were we were chilling out. We went to the vendors. We were uh, you know celebrating Caden getting second place, and then we're like, okay, we're all done with that. Looks like Top Cut's about to start. Let's go sit down in the crowd and watch watch the stream games. I kid you not, dude. Like, the stream came on, and they said, by the way, here's your top eight for Orlando Regionals. And they, you know, had the names and the deck lists. And I counted six Lugia. I straight up, I got up from my seat and I left. I straight, I was <laughs> like, I'm not sitting through this. Now, to be fair, you know, Grant Hayes playing Mew Genesect and Nicholas Moffat playing Lost Zone Rayquaza. 
Uh, Lost Unrequaced is really fun to watch. I think that deck is really cool. And I do actually want to start things off by talking about Grant Hazelist uh, because this is what the community has begun to refer to as Advanced Technology Mew. And I gotta say, this is probably one of, if not my favorite variant of Mew VMAX that I think I've seen ever. <laughs> like, this is genuinely really cool. I had, yeah, I actually have seen this deck floating around, and it's one of the only decks that I've really have thought about making lately. Yeah, so you got your standard double turbo Mew VMAX stick. You know, the Muse, the Genesec, the Oricorio, a, a bunch of items, a bunch of drawing, you know, the usual stuff. But we're playing a 1 1 Aerodactyl V Star. And it's for the same reason that every other deck that plays Aerodactyl V-Star is playing that card. It's to tell Lugia that they are not allowed to play the game. Aerodactyl V-Star's V-Star Attack Ancient Star for one colorless energy gives Aerodactyl V-Star an ability that says your opponent's uh, Pokemon V in play do not have any abilities. So if you can pull off the Ancient Star before Lugia uses Summoning Star, you basically stop them in their tracks right there. Which is obviously very powerful. <laughs> and of course his deck is complete uh, with the leafy camo poncho. So if he uses Ancient Star and it survives that turn, he can retreat the Aerodactyl to the bench, attach a leafy camo poncho to it, and then suddenly it cannot be affected by boss's orders or Serena, essentially making it immune to anything Lugia VMAX or V-Star can do. Uh, <laughs> which at that point you're, you're probably just cooked at that point. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, so super cool list. Love the innovation. And I honestly, you know, we saw Aerodactyl do really well with Vicavolt at previous regionals. It won, uh, I think it was San Diego regionals. They got second at Arlington regionals. Uh, obviously a very strong combination, but I got to be honest, I'd, I think I'd almost argue that Mew is a better partner for it. Just because all the draw power you have uh, makes it a lot easier to pull off that uh, turn to Ancient Star. Um, of course, I'm sure that that could be up for debate, but overall, pretty pretty strong. I'm I'm with it. Yeah, I mean, I can see the merits of running the Mew, at the very least. I don't think it's a bad move at all. No, not at all. And I think if I were to play Mew V Max to a regional, uh, this would probably be the version of the list I'd play for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, before we move into Lugia Central. Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at uh, Nick Moffitt's Lost Zone Rayquaza list. I gotta open this up as an image because there's a lot going on here, as there usually is. So, at first glance, this is pretty standard Lost Zone Rayquaza stuff. You know, you got your Rayquaza, your Crams, Sableye, throw in a Raikou in there, uh, and then your typical trappings of the Lost Zone engine. The only reason I wanted to really bring this up is... Nick teched in an ice cube. What a genius. My man's was ready for the mirror, that's for sure. And apparently, you know, it worked out for him. He did get third place. Uh, I don't know how many Lost Zone box he played against, but I have to imagine he played against quite a few of them as it was an extremely popular deck over the weekend. Uh, between all players, it was 20% of the field. So definitely a good call to tech for the mirror there. So you'll love to see that. Now I'm going to quickly expand all of these Lugia lists real quick. Josh, while I'm doing this, do you see anything in the Lugia list that stand out necessarily? 
I'm going to be honest, from the couple I've opened so far, no, I do not. <laughs> yep, it's uh, it's about as standard as Lugia gets, man. It's just kind of where we're at. I will say, yeah. uh, I have noticed that, at least between a lot of the top eight competitors, uh, that V-Guard has started to make its way back into Lugia. Uh, I know originally that was something that like the first few lists of Lugia put in, just because V-Guard is really good. And they realized they kind of didn't need it. Um, but then, you know, for this event, I guess they were expecting a lot of Lugia mirrors, which that card is really good for the mirror. So, uh, you know, good on these players for identifying that and bringing the V-Guard energy back into the list. And of course, as we mentioned before, a lot of Lugias this weekend were playing uh, Dunsparce Manaphy, which is a, you know, a pretty big deal to keep the Reggie boxes at bay. Not only that, Throwing in that wash water energy to protect the Manaphy from Sableye at the same time. It's pretty smart. Lugia can do it all, man. It really can. <laughs> it really can. Yeah, I mean, I do think the Dunsparce and Manaphy are just really good ideas to run at this point, you know? In my opinion, those are like two cards that you don't need them until you need them. You know what I mean? And it's just... If you don't need them and you have them, it's usually not a huge deal to work around them. But man, if you walk into a regional and you end up needing them and you don't have them in your deck, you're going to feel it immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely comes back to bite you for sure. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was a good call for this weekend. Uh, Reggie Box was very popular, so this kind of prevented Reggie Leckies from just going crazy on their board, uh, which is obviously something you want <laughs> as a Lugia player, <laughs> as any player, really. <laughs> Reggie's still scary. Oh my god, it's so scary. But yeah, that's uh, that's going to do it for Orlando Regionals. Again, you know, there's not really too much we can talk about when six, six of the decks and Top Cut are, you know, the same 59, 58 cards, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know it sounds like we're being a little dismissive here, but I mean, really, it's it's pretty much all the same thing. And I think at this point, if you've seen one Lugia deck, you've seen uh, most of them, if people are playing the most meta version. Yeah, it's uh, basically figured out at this point. All it has to do is just include tech cards to respond to the to the meta and then, you know, just keep on winning. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely is what it is. I, I'm going to say, in my personal opinion, I've... Honestly, don't remember the last time I've like been so ready for a meta in a card game to change, Ooh, and been like man. less interested in playing standard. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's just I, Pokemon did amazing for almost all of 2022, and then right here towards the end, they really, hey, they, they really, really kind of put us in a rut. Yeah, they really dropped the ball with Silver Tempest. I'll be honest. The set um, you were looking forward to the most. I know. I was so excited <laughs> for the set. I was like, dude, this set is gonna be sick because. You know what? And I was having, we'll have a quick little, a little addendum here. I was having this conversation with a friend earlier today. I was like, you know what, dude? If it wasn't for Lugia, like Silver Tempest would have been like amazing, right? Because there are a lot of other like really playable cards, really, well, not playable, but there are a lot of really cool cards in the set that would have been playable had it not been for the insanity that is Lugia V-Star. I mean, that card is just... It, it the power level of Lugia is just on a completely different level. The fact that Lugia V-Star has come around and has basically invalidated 99% of Arceus variants 
and has practically invalidated Giratina in entirety, that's impressive. I, I, I mean, genuinely, that's impressive. It's impressive, and it feels awful. It feel it feels horrible. <laughs> like so many, like we went from like one of the most open ended formats that I've ever played in Sword and Shield: The Lost Origin, which that format has its problems too. Don't get me wrong, but it was so open ended. You could play, you know, you could go beyond like top ten of the meta, and you would still be playing a very viable deck, right? You could play yeah. what people considered to be the the best deck in format, be that Lost Zone Box or Giratina, it changes depending on who you ask. You could be playing the best deck in format, and it's not like, you know, you're still going to have to worry about a few matchups, right? You're not just walking in here being like, yeah, whatever, I'm playing the BDIF, let me just go through the motions and I'll win like 95% of my games or 90% of my matchups or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was open-ended, you had a lot more choice as a player, and yeah, anyway, that that it, that is a soapbox that I'm going to get on for a while. <laughs> yeah, it definitely sucks. And I do find it a little funny that, you know, everyone could, was convinced that Garantita was going to destroy the meta. It was going to destroy everything, you know. And then it, it turned out it was Lugia. People were looking one set too forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they saw, they were like me. They saw 280 and were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Holy, uh, that's a lot of damage. But. I will say, so we don't, like, end this off talking on a negative note, uh, especially since we're about to get into it. These new Scarlet and Violet cards, I think, look insanely cool, and I'm super excited for where the meta is going. Oh, yeah, by the time we get to Scarlet and Violet and rotation and all that fun stuff, yeah. we'll be in a much better spot, for sure. Um, in fact, I, I'd like to think that we'll be back kind of in that Lost Origin ballpark where there's going to be a lot of decks that are viable, you know, one clear deck that is you know standing at the top but not to the point where it's just like it's going to invalidate a lot of other decks you know what i mean mm -hmm. so definitely a lot to look forward to on that horizon uh but unfortunately that horizon is about two and a half months away so it's a little far away yeah and we have so many regionals in that time frame too uh i'm i'm really hoping that somebody unlocks the secret and i you know to be fair to be fair i have to give shout outs to the players that have found creative solutions to dealing with lugia of course thanks to lugia and its overbearance on the meta we got things like eveltal control we got uh articuno in general as a tech option in palkia or in frostmoth box um other paralysis techniques like with zekrom uh, and then, you know, shifting away from Sablezard Lost Zone Box into, like, Amazing Rare Rayquaza or into Celebrations Kyogre. You know, stuff like that really only came around because people were trying to come up with ways to counter Lugia. And, you know, for those decks, it worked. Eternatus VMAX is another great example. But, what you know, it it's a double-edged sword, really, because, like, you get these really cool decks. And you're like, yeah, I can counter Lugia with this. And then Lugia just changes like it's 59th, 58th card. Just puts in one card, maybe two copies of it, and says, okay, I win that matchup now. And then, you know, we're back to square one. Yeah. <laughs> so, shout outs to the players that are putting in the work. I see you. I appreciate you. Y'all are the goats. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, enough of that. That's going to do it for our news segment this go around. Let us know what you thought of all of today's stories. The uh, Pokemon 151 
the what appears to essentially be the soft end of uh, PTCGO as well as the results from the Orlando Regionals. Were you at Orlando Regionals? Are you just as upset as we are about Lugia V-Star and Pokemon TCG Live? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at Damage Counter. Damage Counter Podcast at Gmail if you prefer email. And of course, you can always bring the conversation to our Discord server. Links to all of that will be in the episode description below. But for now, it's time for us to talk about some Crown Zenith. Crown Zenith, a little mini set, the last Sword and Shield set to have come out, brought us some pretty interesting cards, some interesting deck concepts, and we wanted to talk about one of those in our 60-card showcase on tonight's episode. So let's go ahead and take a look at it. All right, Josh, how much of a pile does this look like? Uh, it looks like uh, your binder fell over, and you scrambled <laughs> to pick it up, and then you put your uh, you put your list in. That might as well be what happened here. So we're talking about Radiant Eternatus with Duraludon VMAX today on the 60-card showcase. So if you're not familiar with what Radiant Eternatus does... It has the ability Climactic Gate. When you bench this Pokemon from your hand, you may search your deck for two Pokemon VMAX and put them on your bench. If you do, your turn ends. That ability's kind of wild. Pretty crazy. Yeah, just being able to slingshot two VMAX Pokemon into play like it's nothing is, uh, is definitely very good, especially like if you find yourself going second, right? Because that's kind of been like the curse of sword and shield in its entirety like you want to go first because your evolutions are so important the first person to get v max the first person to get v star it's a very important thing because the other player hasn't had a chance to evolve and all of a sudden is staring across the board and just praying that they don't get gusted and ko'd right because essentially yeah. at that point you kind of just lose right so being able to go second and sling some VMAXs into play, basically putting yourself at the same pace as your opponent. Sure, it does end your turn, but that pacing does make all of the difference. So with our Radiant Eternatus list, which, by the way, you can check the link to the Google Drive in the episode description. In that Google Drive, we have screenshots for every single deck list that we cover here on the show. So if you're curious about the list, maybe you want to try it out for yourself. Check out that Google Drive. You can see all the cards you need right there. But since we're relying on Radiant Eternatus as our strategy, we're going all in, baby. There are no Pokemon V in this deck. Your only basics are Comfey, Oranguru, and Radiant Eternatus. You want your V maxes? You better find that Radiant Eternatus. And therein lies the deck's biggest problem. <laughs> Yeah, so when I asked you earlier, you said getting the Radiant Eternus out was your biggest issue with the deck. And I can kind of see that looking at your 60 card here. I can see why that could potentially be a struggle. Yeah, so we are playing, uh, you know, four Battle VIP Pass, four Quick Ball, two Hisui and Heavy Ball to try to make finding the Pokemon you need to start the game as easy as possible. you got a couple options, you know. You can Battle VIP Pass for the Radiant Eternatus. If you have a scoop-up net in your hand, you can just scoop them up, put them back down on the bench, and then activate the ability that way. Of course, Quick Ball is a great way to find it, and then Hisuian Heavy Ball we play two of. Because of its prize, you're going to have to dig to 
to find those Hisuian Heavy Ball. And uh, the way we'll be digging is with our friend Comfey and Colrus. We're going to be using that Lost Zone engine. You get to draw like a bazillion cards a turn. And then once you get seven in the Lost Zone, that's an easy way to power up your VMAXs so that they can start attacking the next turn. Kind of seems like a slam dunk, but uh, I'll tell you one thing that has been like a bit of an issue is that because you need to commit like three bench spaces to the Radiant Eternatus, you know, one for the Eternatus and then two for your respective VMAXs, uh, you'll find that you're not quite able to dig as much uh, as like normal Lost Zone decks do. So if you only get like the one Comfey and the Colrus, you're just kind of like, okay, and then you get a second Comfey, but if you don't have scoop up nets, like you're basically down to one last flower selecting at that point. And then of course you run the risk of flower selecting into VMAX Pokemon, which is very awkward. Uh, which is why we play Oranguru. If a VMAX Pokemon does end up in our hand, we can use Oranguru's Primate Wisdom ability to put that VMAX on top of the deck and uh, draw the top card of our deck. Essentially putting the VMAX back into the deck. That way we can use uh, Climactic Gate to retrieve it and put it on the bench. Very important card for the list. Now I gotta say, my list is a little different. You know Phelan likes to have his technology in his lists. Uh, instead of running your typical 3 Duraludon, 2 Pikachu, or 3 Duraludon, 1 Pikachu, Josh, I've included 2 Duraludon, 1 Flying Pikachu, and our boy, 1 Rapid Strike Urshifu VMAX. Just in case. Just in case. Dude, I love this card, man. Rapid Strike Urshifu is a lot of fun. It's Yeah, it, it's probably one of my favorite cards ever printed, of course. Uh, it's a very efficient attacker, right? Of course, Rapid Flow is a busted attack, but, you know, what I found is that, like, using Urshifu when you're just having a little trouble, like, getting the Lost Zone filled up, it'd just be like, alright, whatever, I'll just bring out the Urshifu, I'll attach a Fighting Energy, I'll play one of the gazillion switching cards that we have in the deck, and I'll just, you know, Gale Thrust repeatedly while I try to work on getting this Lost Zone built up so I can Mirage Gate into something else. And, uh... It's proved to be pretty good. I, you know, we all know Gale Thrust is a very strong attack. <laughs> yes, very powerful. And of course, once you get that Lost Zone to 7, you have access to Mirage Gate. And this is where the fun begins. You can power up a Duraludon VMAX in one go using its G-Max Pulverization attack. You deal 220 damage and ignore all effects, which is absurd. That, it still blows my mind how absurd that attack is. Yeah, if, I was just going to say, it's it's a crazy attack. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, doing that much damage and having a shred effect is it's, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. But of course, we also play Duraludon for its Skyscraper ability, saying that uh, any Pokemon with special energy attached to it cannot damage Duraludon VMAX, which is obviously very relevant in today's format. Special energy flying everywhere, especially with Lugia V-Star all over the place. So it's nice to have Duraludon be immune to most of Lugia's attackers. And of course, to round things out, we have the classic flying Pikachu VMAX with its max balloon attack, making it immune to basic Pokemon. So essentially, you kind of just read the room, right? The cards flip over, mm -hmm. and you see, oh, my opponent is playing Regis, or my opponent is playing Lawson Box. 
Well, I'm going solo Pika for this one. Scooping up my board and saying, you cannot hit me. GG. Same thing for Duraludon against Lugia. You get two Duraludons out. Throw some big parasols on those bad boys. All right, no amazing destruction, and you can't hit me with special energy. GG, shake my hand. Essentially, we are just trying to checkmate the opponent while also forcing them to have to deal with two incredibly powerful and, quite frankly, matchup-dependent, straight-up invulnerable VMAX Pokemon. Yeah, I will say, uh, this looks like something you would love to play, I want to be honest. I do enjoy it. I, I do very much enjoy it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the getting the Radiant Eternatus out is a bit of an annoying struggle, but like I said, dude, like when the deck was working, I was having the time of my life, dude. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, this is so sick. You just set up that immunity. You set up that lock, essentially, and you're just like, all right, you draw, G-Max Pulverization. My turn? Cool. Draw, G-Max Pulverization. <laughs> Oh, hang on. Is that an Archaeops over there? Boss. <laughs> G-Max Polarization. <laughs> and of course, you've got like other disruptive cards too, like the Leafy Camo Poncho to prevent things uh, from being gusted with Boss's Orders or Serena, which can be pretty good. You know, if a, if, if a V-Max takes damage, you can retreat it to the bench, attach a Leafy Camo Poncho, and save it for later. you got the Temple of Sinnoh 3 of, by the way, to uh, turn off basically turn off all special energy, which can hurt Lugia, can hurt Mew VMAX, which is really good. And uh, I think one of my favorite techs, the Hyper Potion. Ah, uh, yes. A classic discard two energy, heal 120. Uh, you know, helping you keep your momentum if you take damage. You can be like, oh, I took damage. All right, Mirage Gate, uh, Hyper Potion. All right, start over. And, uh, you know, kind of keep yourself in the game a little bit longer, make it a little bit more annoying. I will say, my favorite thing about this list, and I'm very upset that I didn't get to do this at Orlando because I didn't play against a single Lost Zone box. So, we were expecting Lost Zone box to be, like, a lot more aggressive on Escape Rope boss to get around Pikachu and Ice Cube. So that's where the Leafy Camo Poncho and Hyper Potion came in. We're like, okay, well... In the Lost Zone box matchup, normally you would just go scoop up your board, max balloon, attach big parasol, and then you're immune to everything. You're immune to Sableye, you know, you can't be escape rope bossed, none of that stuff. You're just basically immune at that point. Oh. Well, sometimes it's a little difficult to scoop up the board. Sometimes you need to use those scoop up nets to get a little extra flower selectings in. Sometimes they're prized, or sometimes you just can't find them. So this is where the leafy camo poncho comes in. We said, okay... In theory, and actually not even in theory, I have tested this, you don't need to scoop up your board if you have the Leafy Camo Poncho. Because uh -huh. if you have the Flying Pikachu, you just leave it in the active and you just spam Max Balloon. You play as many Mirage Gates as possible, get as many energy onto that Pikachu as possible, and you just start spamming Max Balloon. And attach the Leafy Camo Poncho. So if they go Escape Rope... If you have more than one bench Pokemon, you know, they can't just escape rope, escape rope. And with a leafy camo poncho, they can't go escape rope boss. So your Pikachu is always immune. And then if they try to use lost mine and put damage counters on the Pikachu that way, that's what the hyper potions are for. 
It is probably one of the most massive brain things that I've ever come up with, with help from my coach, Ian Robb. <laughs> I will say he helped me come up with that. But still, the fact that, like, I was just like, dude, you can just, like, lock up Lost Zone Box entirely, including Escape Rope Boss, with this technology is nuts. That is kind of nuts, actually. That's pretty cheeky. Very cheeky. Now, this only works when Lost Zone Box isn't playing Lost Vacuum, which... At Orlando, not very many of them were. Uh, you know, that obviously could change, of course. But, you know, that would be like the only way Lost Zone uh, Box could get around it is if they saved a Lost Vacuum. So they go Escape Rope, Lost Vacuum, the Camo Poncho, and then Boss. And then, you know, you're off to the races at that point. So I, I had to share that fun bit of technology because I didn't get to pull it off at Orlando. I did pull it off in testing. I promise it works. <laughs> But yeah, aside from that, I mean, it's just standard Lost Zone stuff. You got your playset of Comfes, playset of Colorus. You're going to be Lost Zoning a lot of things, Flower Selecting, Colorus's Experiment, uh, and just trying to get, uh, you know, those VMAXs and those energies into play. Uh, it's very anti-meta. So, you know, if you go up against Lugia, if you go up against Lost Zone Box, if you go up against Reggie Box, you know, you're going to do really well. This deck is built to counter those decks. But if you start, like, going into... Other counter decks, like, uh, you know, like Gudra, Lost Zone Box, for example, uh, like uh, Radiant Eternatus Shadow Rider, which is a real matchup that I played against at Orlando. Interesting. Uh, it's very good, actually, and I'm upset about it. <laughs> uh, you know, if you start coming into these wackier matchups, you know, this deck isn't really built for that, so uh, beware. If you're like wanting to build this for your locals, but nobody plays meta, maybe maybe don't build no. this. <laughs> you might struggle a little bit, but otherwise, uh, it you know it is specifically targeted to deal with a meta. And I gotta say, it's a bit of a brick house. I'll be honest. My two five two record is testament to that. Although, like I said before, a friend of the show Jake Riggs was like two games away from day two with the list, so I don't know. Maybe it isn't, but if nothing else, the deck is insanely fun. What was and the uh... What was the one card difference between y'all's two lists? The one card difference was that he he played three battle VIP pass and he put in a Cramorant. Which, in hindsight, I kind of I kind of wish I did. That way, you could apply at least some offensive pressure uh, while you're trying to find your Radiant Eternatus. And the numbers work out really well too, right? If you hit something with Spit innocently for 110, Duraludon can one shot it at that point, right? So. Yeah, that the, does seem pretty smart, actually. Yeah, the numbers were really good, and it's a way to apply pressure while you're trying to find your Eternatus. So I would actually recommend people to go in that direction. You'd have to change this list a little bit, right? Because we don't have any Pokemon recovery, only energy recovery in the list. So you'd probably have to swap out the energy recycler for like an ordinary rod. I'd probably swap another card for an ordinary rod as well, just so you have that little extra oomph on energy recovery. But... Um, yeah, otherwise, it's it's a solid list all around. It's very fun, and, uh, you know, would would highly I, I would highly recommend people to try it out at least once just to have fun with the list. Um, I do think the list has competitive potential. Uh, it's definitely there. I just think the list needs to be, you know, we need to crack the list a little more is all. Well, we'll have to keep our eye on it then and see if somebody does manage to crack it and drop something super crazy on us. 
We'll have to see for sure. Uh, I, you know, you got to think somebody's going to do it right. And uh, I, I got to be honest. There's, I, I thought that Duraludon might be the only partner for it. I got to be honest. There are a lot more partners for Radiant Eternatus that make a lot of sense. That more, more than I had uh, anticipated. We might, we might maybe cover some of those in the future. Well, I'll look forward to it. But uh, I think we're about wrapped up here, unless you have anything else you want to say, Phelan. Nope, I think we're all set here. All right. So that's another 60-card showcase in the bag for the week. And as always, if you have your own 60-card list that you would like us to go over, feel free to send it our way. We'd love to talk about it. Only rule is it has to be a working 60-card list, but we don't care about the format. Gym Leader Challenge, Expanded, Standard, whatever. Retro, we'll talk about it. Yeah, especially all of those formats he listed that aren't standard. <laughs> while we while we wait for Scarlet and Violet, we're kind of running out of content over here in standard yeah. format as it stands. Your, yeah, your raid battle list, we'll talk about it. Hey, true, true. Oh, we got to do that. Uh, anyway, yeah, you can send the list to us on Twitter at Damage Counter, Damage Counter Podcast at, e, uh, at gmail.com if you prefer email. I'm getting that mixed up today. And of course, you can also submit it to us in our Discord server, which we had just started as of two weeks ago. So if you'd like to join us, join the community and talking more about the Pokemon trading card game outside of just listening to your bi-weekly episode of Damage Counter Podcast, check the links in the episode description. Come be a part of the community. Come get involved and come show us your favorite deck. We'd love to talk about it here on the show. All right. We've talked a lot about it. We've made very clear that we've lamented the fact that Standard is the way it is. And we're very excited for Scarlet and Violet. Josh, it is finally time for us to break down some of the cards revealed in Japan's Scarlet EX and Violet EX sets. My friend, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Ah, it feels good. Feels good, good to be thinking about EX Pokemon, Silver Borders, Paldea, Lugia V-Star being toned way the heck down. <laughs> <laughs> Feels good. I cannot wait for for uh what is it, April 14th, 13th, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. We'll be getting the set on March 31st, but it will not be uh, allowed in you know, standard play until two weeks after release. Point is, we're excited for Scarlet and Violet, and we have a lot of fun cards to talk about. I gotta say, man, I think this is one of the most impactful base sets I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, honestly. Yeah, typically the first set of a new era isn't really much to ride home about. Sword and yeah, Shield it's usually is a pretty light. Example. Yeah, it, it's yeah. generally pretty tame, you know, introducing the new mechanics and trying to reset things a little bit. Again, Sword and Shield is a perfect example. There's not really anything in that set besides, like, Zacian. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a particularly stellar set, by all means, but, you know, I, I fully approve of Pokemon bucking that trend here with Scarlet EX and Violet EX. And we're here to talk about some of those cards today, so... Let's go ahead and start. We got to talk about some of the artwork, Josh. 
All right, listen. I'm going to get it out of the way immediately. Here we go. Here Probably we go. my favorite thing ever is that the Gardevoir cards just show their life, show the life of a girl with her Ralts growing up in each one of the evolution artworks. Uh, it's amazing. It's probably one of my favorite things ever. I have to own all of them. Yeah, I think I think we touched the- touched on this one a little bit when the secret players were coming out a little bit. Yeah, this is su- this is such an incredible card. Like mm-hmm. we've seen Pokemon do like these story cards before on like the stage twos, and you know it's the trainer growing up with their Pokemon. I love it when they do stuff like this, and this one I think probably takes the cake for me. I mean, it is Gardevoir, which is one of my favorite Pokemon of all time, but it's, oh my god, the artwork is just so good, bro. It's so good. And I do, I will say too, I actually do like the uh, full art Gardevoir EX. Yeah, I was I was going to mention that one too. I like like the 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 light rays in the background. It almost yeah. kind of reminds me of like a musical staff. Yeah. Which is really I cool. I mean, I'm, you know, I, you know, I've played music and I love music, so <laughs> same. So I mean, I don't know. I just I kind of like what they're doing with all these full arts. I'm not gonna lie. With these, they're pretty different backgrounds for most of these, and it's a little more simplified than usual. But there's some really good contrasts on pretty much all of these. I think it's I think these actually look really cool. Pretty much all, all of them. Yeah, the, the full arts are continuing to look really good. Um, you know, Sword and Shield started giving them a little bit more dynamic backgrounds, uh, kind of kind of uh, in line with X and Y. You know, X and Y full art cards had uh, these kind of crazy background effects, and then Sun and Moon went away from that. And I will never forgive Sun and Moon for doing that, because I think Sun and Moon full arts are just ugly. <laughs> Yeah, they're a little rough, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, they're a little too bland for my taste. But Scarlet and Violet is keeping the trend of these really cool backgrounds on the full art cards. So I am definitely here for that. Um, But yeah, I agree. The Gardevoirs look great. I really like this Iron Treads EX uh, Illustrator Rare. You know, he's standing out in the cold desert in the middle of the night. You can see this sea of stars in the sky. You know the, the the galaxy and the nebula or whatever. Just oh, I love that. That 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 sky artwork is very good. Oh yeah, probably one of the next ones that really strikes me is the uh, special ir- illustration rare Mirrodon EX, where he's just like sitting out of a sty- skyscraper staring at a dog. Yeah, yeah, I don't know why. I just find it funny. He's just like, oh, what up? Yeah, what up, Doshbun? <laughs> yeah. You made a cinnamon rolls. What the heck? <laughs> yo, he actually does like look surprised. He's like, yo, what? You look delicious, bro. Yeah, he's like, how are you in there? Like, what's going on? Are you okay, bro? Yeah, no, that is such an awesome card. I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, I I got to give shout outs here, man. I, I, I know I've covered this one already, but I got to talk about it again. This Illustrator Rare Armor Rouge, dude. holy this is good what the heck bro i love it there's rainfall the puddles you could see the reflection of the sky in the puddles yeah like yeah the rainbow just kind of like fading across the card is just like uh, yeah that's so good it's really good i enjoy it but also like armor you know is like one of it's like very quickly become one of my favorite pokemon of all time so you know yeah that that helps too 
Yeah, I think uh, I think we touched on this one too, but I love this uh, King Gambit artwork. It looks amazing. Yeah, he's got like the he's basically got his army of Bisharp there with him. Yeah. Oh my good lord, dude! I wouldn't want to come across that. And he's got like his two bodyguards on either side of him. I don't know. I really like that. Yeah, that one's absolutely sick. King Gambit is a super cool Pokemon. Oh, definitely. Now, before we start talking about some of the Pokemon, we've got some supporters, too. I'll just say all the Illustrator rares for the supporters, Arvin, Jacques, Fire. Miriam, and Penny. Fire. Oh, they're all so good. The they're all set, fire. The set <laughs> is just full of so much good artwork, man. And even, yeah. like, the full arts, man. Like, I can't... I. It's it's hard to describe. This is an audio podcast. I can't show these <laughs> cards, and I wish I could, man. Yeah, you have to come. Uh, you'll have to go to the link in the podcast description and just look at all of these because they're all amazing. They're this, incredible. A special illustration rare rare of uh, Miriam. I, I'm gonna have to have this, and I feel like I'm gonna be paying an arm and a leg to get it because there's no way I'm pulling this. Yeah, that has very quickly become one of the most expensive cards that you can <laughs> buy in Japan right now. I'd believe it. Like it's, I think it's even eclipsed the uh, full art Serena in price. Oh goodness! Which, which just wow, to be honest, just wow. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I agree. I, uh, I, I very much would like to have that card as well, especially because it's really good. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and start breaking down some of these cards, and we'll start with Miriam. So Miriam is a supporter card. I love this card. Shuffle up to five Pokemon cards from your discard pile into your deck, then draw three cards. That's pretty crazy. What I'm going to be honest. You get recovery like, and draw in the well, same card? Yeah. That's crazy, right? So, like, could you imagine, like, you're like, man, I really need this Pokemon that's in my discard pile. All right, cool. First thing, I got to get it in there, Miriam you know, shuffle it back in, then you draw into it off of the draw three <laughs> effect. Could you imagine that? I know, that would be crazy. It Like, really, it's a little surprising to me that usually most of the times when they make a card like this, it would say something like, you know, draw until you have five cards in your hand or something along that line. It's just the flat-out draw three? That's pretty crazy. Because that means there's really no bad time to play this card. You know, if you have Pokemon in your discard that you need to get back into your deck, like, you're not losing anything by playing your Miriam. Pretty crazy. And you're getting five Pokemon back, too, which is a pretty, you yeah. know, I mean, that's a lot. And That's a lot of Pokemon. And it makes sense, right? Because we're we're looking, it's looking you're, like we're going into, like, a stage two metagame, two. right? Yeah. So, if a stage two gets knocked out, that's, like, three Pokemon you have to recover right there, you know what I mean? So... Uh, it's definitely definitely important that it gets that many, but like, I, I I really honestly I really like this approach that Pokemon is taking with like the supporters lately. We've seen some of this in Sword and Shield as well, where it's like, you know, draw three plus this effect. You know, Avery is draw three. Your opponent discards so they have three bench Pokemon. Worker is draw three. Discard a Stadium in play. This is recover some Pokemon then draw three. I I, I gotta be honest. I really like this kind of approach to uh to the design on the supporters I'm, I'm about this definitely so definitely gonna be a really good card make sure you have that one on your list probably just a one of i don't think you need more than one but uh 
It's a good card, nonetheless. All right. Next up on the list here, we have Team Star Grunt. So Team Star Grunt's ability is to put an energy attached to your opponent's active Pokemon on top of their deck. That's uh, pretty good. I mean, we're all used to things like Crushing Hammer and whatnot, but that's a tool card. Or not a tool card, sorry. But that's an item card that you have to flip a coin for. Which, granted, you're giving up your uh, supporter to use this card, and they get the energy back. But that's still really good if you need to stall some or mess with your opponent's board state. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be a base set without, you know, the, the typical grunt card messing with yeah. your opponent's energy. Now, every time we get one of these, everybody's always like, oh, it's not as good as Team Flare Grunt. Yeah, of course it's not as good as Team Flare Grunt, which is essentially a guaranteed crushing hammer. Kind of can't have that in the format. That's kind of toxic. But um, I think this is actually pretty good. Obviously, like, not, nothing crazy like Team Skull Grunt or Team Flare Grunt. But, uh, you know, we typically see these grunt cards and, like, control archetypes to try to, you know, disrupt their opponents and stuff like that. The thing is, is we never really saw Team Yell Grunt take over in Sword and Shield. You know, is you know, take an energy attached to one of your opponent's Pokemon and put it back into their hand. Uh, you're not really doing enough there, but I think with Team Star Grunt putting it back on top of your opponent's deck instead, I think is actually kind of nuts for control. Because not only are you setting your opponent back by removing an energy card, but you're, you're also guaranteeing... Exactly. You're taking yeah. away their top deck. You're guaranteeing that they top deck an energy card, which... A lot of times, you kind of don't want to do, right? You know, after you get your energy into play, you're like, okay, I need my other Pokemon. I need my, you know, uh, I need my energy accelerators for other Pokemon. Or, I, you know, I need my supporters to draw, to gust, or whatever. You know, so essentially guaranteeing your opponent to be top decking that energy. I, there's got to be some kind of potential there for control. Uh, I definitely think there's potential there for control. We'll have to wait and see. If anybody will tell us, it'll be Sander. Yeah. Well, I think, especially because since, like you said, the meta is looking like it's slowing back down to being a stage 2 meta, I think like losing an energy and then losing a top draw is going to be a lot more detrimental than it would be to us, like, say, right now. That is true. That is true. Uh, and, you know... There are fairly easy ways to get around that. Of course, you know, you can, you'll top deck the energy, but of course, you know, you're still going to be able to play supporter. You're still going to be able to use things like the barrel or rev of room to draw more cards. Right. So, you know, obviously it's not doing anything super crazy, but you know, the fact that you're essentially just putting that extra card on the deck sometimes could make the difference. Yeah. Now we've got one more supporter that we want to talk about. And this one, this one makes me mad. <laughs> this makes me mad. This is Youngster. Shuffle your hand into your deck, then draw five cards. That sounds a little familiar. It does. It's it's just Shauna. <laughs> Why don't they just reprint Shauna? No, Phelan, this is Youngster. Uh, dude, I hate that they do this, dude. Like, especially because we already have Shauna in standard format. Like... Like, you reprinted it from X and Y to bring it to Sword and Shield standard format. What? Why not just, if you want this effect, just reprint Shauna? Like, why is this a new card? I don't get it. 
Oh my goodness, dude. It, it, it throws me off so much, man. I, I can't even begin to describe it, but either way, I'm a big fan of Shauna <laughs> shuffle draw five. I'm actually a big fan of that. Uh, obviously it's not Cynthia from sun and moon, which is shuffle draw six, but you know, the benefit to the shuffle draw supporters is that you're not discarding anything. You're putting those resources back into your deck at the chance at drawing different resources that you might need. Um, I've always been a fan of stuff like that. Uh, people who know me know that I am a professor's research hater. Like, yeah, it's a lot hater. safer than burning through half your deck. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. Turn. You know, especially if you're playing these intricate toolbox decks or setup decks or, I mean, shoot, even the stage twos it, in a lot of instances where you're not really going to be wanting to throwing away those resources, you know, like you're like, maybe I got a finite amount of energy or maybe I've got really good supporters in my hand or Pokemon that I'm going to end up having to recover sooner. If I drop this research now, you know, I'm a big fan of these shuffle draw cards. So I, I am a okay with having Sean on the format. A okay with that. I mean, youngster, sorry. Um, you know, I, I'm always an advocate for this kind of stuff. It's not as mm -hmm. powerful as professor, Professor's Research, but there are some decks that are going to want to use this, I think. Yeah, definitely. I can see it being more of a niche draw supporter for certain decks. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Alright, next up on our list, though, we have... And I'm going to butcher this, I always do. Do you know how to say it right? I think it's, <laughs> I, I think it's Mesa Goza. Oh, it might be Mesa Goza. Yeah, I'm uh, not, whatever. Mesa goes <laughs> I'm not sure. I've heard like both pronunciations, and I'm not quite sure which one is the actual right one. But anyway, Mesa Goza. So once during each player's turn, that player may flip a coin. If heads, that player searches their deck for a Pokemon, reveals it, and puts it into their hand. Then that player shuffles their deck. Uh, pretty cool stadium card, honestly. I think being able like having a chance for uh Pokemon search every turn is pretty good. Obviously you have the downside is that you're giving that option to your opponent as well. And I feel like other people feel my pain when you play cards like this and your opponent hits all the heads. Well you only get tails, you know? <laughs> you know what? I hadn't even considered that. <laughs> that absolutely would happen to me if I played this card. I think it's a really cool stadium, though. I, I like that they just put Pokeballs effect on a stadium card, which is really interesting. Um, of course, you know, like you said, you, you do end up giving that benefit to your opponent. Uh, which, it's always funny to me. Like, people get very passionate about giving your opponent beneficial stadium effects. Um, like, a lot of people discount a training court at first because it's like, oh, you give that to your opponent, too. It's bad. And then it's like one of the best stadiums in Sword and Shield right now. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I, Beach Court and Mesagoza are both going to be the same thing. Definitely. I mean, if it really bothers you that much, I guess you can run different stadiums to, you know, drop Mesagoza, use its effect, and then try to bump it in the same turn. If it bothers you that much. But... I think it's just something you kind of have to accept with stadium cards, you know? Usually, most stadium cards are pretty much two-way streets. There, there's definitely some more one-sided ones, or ones that help decks way more specifically than others. But, it's like you said, trading cards like one of the best stadium cards in the format right now. Yeah, so, 
you know, just because it gives a positive effect to both players, don't don't necessarily discount it. Uh, I I will say though, I I do think you're right. The coin flip does kind of make that a little awkward. Yeah. Because you know, like you said, you you know, you could be flipping tails and your opponent flips heads, and then you know that could be the difference of them pulling ahead in momentum. You know, so. It, it um, definitely is a little more risky to play than uh, right, right. just being able to search out an energy. Because, I, I, I mean, there is being able to get a Pokemon for free is a pretty good benefit. Yeah, especially because it's not limited, right? It, yeah. No basic, no EX or anything. Like, it's just straight up whatever Pokemon you want, uh, which in and of itself could be pretty powerful. I do enjoy that stadium, though, and... Uh, <laughs> I'd be I'd be interested to see if anyone uses it, but for the time being, speaking of Pokemon, we've got some Pokemon to talk about, and I think this is one of my favorite ones in the set. We have Arboliva, a stage two grass type Pokemon with 150 HP, has the ability fill oil. When you play this Pokemon from your hand to evolve one of your Pokemon during your turn, you may heal all damage from one of your Pokemon. It is Cheryl on a coming into play ability. <laughs> Holy, <laughs> dude. It's pretty crazy. And actually, it's even better because it'll target any Pokemon, not just evolutions, and it won't discard any energy in the process. It's uh, definitely interesting. Um, I personally really like it a lot. Uh, you know, I enjoy the tank and heal strategies. Um, I'm not really sure if it's going to see a ton of play with it being a stage two. It- I think the uh, it being a stage two is gonna inherently make it kind of awkward to play, but I think that uh, we'll definitely see some decks that like make really good use of this card. Yeah, because we got some chunky EX Pokemon coming up. Let me tell you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so Phil Oil could could absolutely be really good. And if, in all honesty, if it doesn't like take off now, it'll probably take off in, like, the next rotation after this upcoming one. Because in that rotation, we lose Cheryl. So, you know, Arboliva could fill that void. And, again, like, we're talking about the meta going to, like, a more Stage 2-focused meta, which is all fine and well. You would think that that would make Arboliva really good, and it probably would. But, you know, you're kind of wanting to put those resources into building up your Stage 2 EX Pokemon to the point where it's just, like, by the time you get to needing fill oil, like you might be, you might have drained some of those resources, or you might struggle to get it out. So, it could be a little yeah. awkward, but I, I, I do think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, I definitely think there's potential. But I mean, I do think it's going to be awkward because part of the thing with going back to the stage two meta, I think, is a lot of us are going to have to get used to losing some of our tech space and supporter space to make room for all the extra Pokemon we're going to have to work back into our decks running Stage 2 lines. Yeah. So, I mean, while this card is really cool, I think, I mean, you're already dedicating, even if you run a one-of line, three card slots to, you know, heal your Pokemon once, which is kind of a lot. Yeah, that's definitely, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because that is actually definitely something to work with, or to, to think about there, because, yeah, I mean, if you're especially if you're playing a Stage 2 EX Pokemon, I mean, think about how much deck space that's going to take up. You're going to want to play a cup, like a good good number of copies of a Stage 2 line, and then, you know, throwing in an extra one there for support. Well, a very strong one, don't get me wrong, you know, 
You're limiting yourself on deck space. And it's not one of those things that you're going to be able to reuse because scoop up net will rotate, right? So you get, yeah. you know, it's the one and done and it's just sitting there at that point. So could be a little awkward, but like it, I said, I, I do think the potential is there. It definitely has potential. I'm not saying to write it off at all. Sure. Definitely yeah. has potential. But anyway, let's go ahead and move on to our next card here. Uh, Arma Rouge. Arma Rouge, however you say it. My boy. <laughs> Uh, so, its ability is actually really cool here. It's called Fire Alarm. And as often as you like during your turn, you may move a fire energy attached to one of your bench Pokemon to one, to your active Pokemon. Uh, I mean, that's kind of crazy, honestly. Just being, any kind of, like, energy control that lets you move energy around your board pretty freely is always pretty powerful. Yeah, energy manipulation is generally pretty good. Um, it's not as flexible as something like metal transfer, transfer or fairy transfer, anything like that, where you can just move your energies wherever you want. Uh, this only lets you move it from the bench to the active. Uh, but we've seen effects like this uh, before. I think it was a Quagsire in Sun and Moon that had an ability like this, but for water energy, and that saw quite a bit of play. Um I think the I think the problem with Armor Rouge currently is that there's just not a great partner for it right now. Uh, you know, we do have Arcanine EX in the set, which we covered in our uh, in a couple episodes ago when we got the first previews of the set. Um, but I just don't think that they're particularly great partners necessarily, because um, the benefit to having Fire Alarm is that like you can use Armor Rouge to soak up like damage from Magma Basin while moving the energy up to the active Pokemon, which is great. But I don't think that necessarily works with Arcanine because it has an outrage attack. Like, you kind of want it to have damage counters on it. So, I don't know. It's a little weird. Yeah. But eventually, a Fire-type Pokemon will come around and Armor Rouge will be the perfect partner for it. So, uh, we'll just have to wait for that one. Now for the big one. This is probably the best card in the entire set. It is going to be Gardevoir EX. A 310 HP Psychic type Pokemon Stage 2 has the ability Psychic Embrace. This is broken. As often as you like during your turn, you may attach a basic Psychic Energy from your discard pile to one of your psychic Pokemon. If you do, put two damage counters on that Pokemon. You cannot use this ability to attach an energy to a Pokemon that has 20 HP or less remaining. So let's pause right there for a second. As often as you like. If there's psychic energy in your discard pile, you can straight up just empty your discard pile of all psychic energy and just put it all into play. Wh what the heck, bro? <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, when you sent me this card, because, uh, you know, usually I don't look at our translations until here on the podcast, so that way I can just have live reactions to them. But uh, it's Gardevoir. I'm nosy about Gardevoir. I wanted to know what it did. So when you sent it to me and I read it, I think I texted you back, like, immediately. I was just like, I'm building this when it comes out, or something along those lines. It's, it's crazy. It's going to be so good. I, I think a lot of... A lot of people in the international space are, you know, basically already touting this as the best deck in format when we get to rotation. <laughs> I mean, it's it's absurd though, right? Because, you know, not only is that ability broken, but you also have the uh, the Curlia from Silver Tempest that you can evolve it from, 
which is going to help you draw cards and discard psychic energy at the same time. And then, of course, you have these myriad of attackers you can put in there. You can build it with Shadow Rider. You can build it with Deoxys V-Star. You could build it with um, some attackers that are coming in this set, as well as probably my personal favorite. Man, just build it with Mewtwo V-Union. You know, like, what's going to stop you? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Uh, I'm definitely really excited for this card, and I've come to realize I really like playing Psychic Pokemon in the TCG. I've noticed. <laughs> Psychic and Dark type, that's my thing. Hey, those are generally the best types in the game, most formats, so <laughs> they're all worst types to fall in love with, for sure. You're not wrong. And uh, just continuing on the trend with them, moving on to the next Pokemon here, Klefki. So, I actually really like this Klefki. So its ability is Prank Lock. As long as this Pokemon is in the active spot, each player's basic Pokemon in play have no abilities. Other than Prank Lock. <laughs> so, oh a lockout. such a good ability. It's a very good ability. So, I mean, basically, it's pretty self-explanatory. I think you get this out in your active, and you try to lock down all of your opponent's basic Pokemon, which, that means stuff like uh, Radiant Pokemon and whatnot will lose their abilities. Yeah, and I think this card single-handedly puts, you know, what whatever's remaining of the Sword and Shield era, this card single-handedly puts those cards on the same, like, uh, on the same, like, pacing as, like, the Stage 2 EX Pokemon. Like, this card single-handedly slows down every deck from Sword and Shield. Because, you know, now we're talking Comphase won't work, Regis won't work, Genesect won't work, as you mentioned, the Radiant Pokemon, their abilities won't work. As long as this pair of keys is in the active spot, none of those abilities are going to work. Now, keep in mind that this is a double-sided effect. If Clef Key, if your Clef Key is active, you know, your basic Pokemon have no abilities either. It's it's for it's for both sides. But like, you know, obviously if you're playing Clef Key, you're you know, you're probably working around that anyway, right? So this this is absurd. <laughs> this is so good. Yeah, it's very good. Now, one thing to note here is that while the ability is really good at slowing Pokemon down, its attack for one colorless, knock off 10 damage before doing damage, discard a Pokemon tool card, attach to your opponent's active Pokemon. It's very passive. Um, whereas, you know, to, to compare it to something, you remember in Lost Origin when a lot of people were playing Empoleon V all of a sudden to keep the Lost Zone engine from drawing a bunch of cards, basically to do the same thing, but to one prize basic Pokemon. Mm -hmm. That worked really well because Empoleon could apply pressure. It could turn off their abilities and it could take knockouts in the same vein. It was very good. Klefki can't do that. So you can leave a Klefki there and tell your opponent that they can't use abilities for as long as you want, but eventually... Through traditional means, be it by playing supporters, attaching energy manually from hand, this, that, the other, eventually they're going to get there, right? Yeah. And that Klefki's not going to be doing you any favors at that point. It's so, definitely a better early game card, I think. Oh, yeah, like, for if, sure. If you can start this or get it out in your active on your turn one, I think you're looking pretty good as long as you're able to be set yourself up without too much trouble because like you said you are shutting your own abilities down on your bench but i mean it's pretty crazy honestly yeah it's an it's insanely good 
and is definitely definitely going to see a lot of play. Uh, and it'll be very funny to just start with a prank lock Klefki against a Mew player literally before <laughs> even turn one and be like, all right, go ahead. <laughs> but You can't echo yeah. horn anything. There's nothing in my Discord pile. Just a pair of keys. <laughs> oh, I love Klefki. Oh. It's such a funny Pokemon. Definitely. All right, next up, I want to talk about what might be one of my favorite utility Pokemon from this set. We have Squovit. Just little baby Squovit. 60 HP, colorless Pokemon, uh, basic Pokemon, has the ability Hidey Hole. Once during your turn, you may use this ability. Shuffle your hand and put it at the bottom of your deck, then draw one card. It may not sound like a lot, but this is actually really cool. <laughs> so, essentially... Uh, how do I even describe this? Essentially, you're kind of like getting a bunch of cards out of your hand and then just drawing a card, right? Mm. When you combine this with things like Switching Cups or the Altaria from Evolving Skies, you can manipulate what's what you draw into with Squovit, right? So, mm. for example, if you use Altaria Evolving Skies... It's, uh, I think, Humming Tune ability is what it's called. Allows you to search your deck for a supporter and put it on top of your deck. Then you can use Hidey Hole, get all these cards that you don't need out of your hand, not to the bottom of the deck, and then you will draw that supporter card. And then, you know, you can research for seven or, you you know, you, you do whatever. The reason I like this is because this makes Mustard so easy. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, you're right. You can just go Humming Tune... Put the mustard on top, hidey hole your hand away, draw into the mustard, and just slam it, dude. <laughs> dude, it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And of course, there are other uses for it, too. Um, mm -hmm. uh, slight spoiler warning for later, but uh, there are item lock cards uh, in, in Scarlet and Violet that we'll be talking about later. Uh, and uh, that Pokemon does more damage based on how many trainer cards are in your hand. So if you ever go up against that deck, you can be like, okay, well, I'm item locked. I've got a ton of ton of these items in my hand. Let me just hidey hole, put them all away. And then now their attack is not going to do much damage because I only got the one card in my hand. So it's a really unique ability. I, like, I don't think we've seen anything like this in the Pokemon TCG, but I'll tell you what, man, I am here for it. I love this ability. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's cool. I didn't, I didn't even think about what you just said with mustard, but, uh, you are right. That does make the card seem way more interesting immediately. <laughs> Which is great because rapid strike mustard has just been completely unplayable this entire time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alright, but moving on to our next Pokemon here, we're going to cover another EX. Next up, we got Spidob's EX. Uh, so, his ability, Trap Territory. Your opponent's active Pokemon retreat cost is one colorless energy more. And that's good, because his attack, Wire Hang, for 90 plus damage. This attack does 30 more damage for each energy in your opponent's active Pokemon's retreat cost. For a Grass and a Colorless. That's not bad, and... You can get that damage cap pretty high, you know, because the average the average retreat cost is usually two. Yeah. So, using this, you're docking most of them up to three, 
you have your occasional Pokemon that have one or three or more. So, that's, but let's just say going with three here, say two plus your one that you're adding on. So you're adding an extra 90 damage and you're doing 180 for a grass and a colorless. That's pretty good. Yeah, for two energy on a stage one, that is pretty good. And this ability does stack. So if you have multiple spite ops out, it's just going to keep on racking up, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, and I've actually, you know, I was looking at the card. I was like, eh, okay, whatever. But uh, a lot of people have been theory crafting uh, some pretty interesting ideas. Uh, obviously, there's some insane synergy here with Leafy on VMAX uh, with its Grass Knot attack doing 60 damage for each uh, energy in your opponent's retreat cost. So there's some obvious synergy there with Spide Ops Leafeon. But I also heard people talking about potentially doing a Spide Ops control deck by getting as many Spide Ops into play as possible to essentially act as Galar Mine. Rack your ramping opponent. up that retreat cost. Yeah, exactly. And then having a bunch of these controlling Pokemon to, you know, discard energy or, you know, do whatever at that point. Uh, pretty cool idea, to be honest. That actually is a pretty cool idea. And uh, I do have to say, I'm glad that they did my boy Spide Ops a favor and made him pretty good at the TCG for what it looks like. Because, man, at the VGC, is this thing trash. Oh my god, yeah. I'm sorry, not... I, I can't not mention it. I think it's actually, I read somewhere, I don't know if it's true, uh, feel free to fact check me and let me know if I'm wrong. But I read somewhere that this is actually, Spide Ops is the worst Pokemon that Pokemon's ever made. That uh, it, it is. It is not great, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's nice that they made him good in the TCG, for sure, for sure. All right. We got one trio. This Why Pokemon you can say is, it like that? This Pokemon's so funny to me, dude. I love it. Oh, man. Okay, one trio is a 90 HP water-type Pokemon. Stage one. It has the attack for three colorless energy. Sea tunneling. Flip three coins, and for each head, uh, for each heads, discard the top three cards of your opponent's deck. That's you pretty disgusting. Could you imagine flipping three three heads yeah, and milling that's a nine cards? Nine cards in one turn. Holy, dude! <laughs> I know. I'm gonna be playing Wug Trio Mill out here. So, but that's all. That's all there really is to it. There's a potential mill strategy here. I gotta be honest. Will it be great? Probably not. Will it be a ton of fun? Absolutely. <laughs> There's nothing like flipping some coins for massive milling, dude. Nothing quite like it. Really? Uh, I always kind of like seeing mill in Pokemon because it's not like super popular. You know, there's usually only like, what, one mill deck around at a time for the most part? Yeah, generally and, speaking. And I think it's interesting how Pokemon goes about implementing mill. I don't know, it's just, it's different than most other card games. Uh, different how? Uh, just because it's usually, you know, it's so Pokemon-focused. Usually in other card games, like, say, Magic or something, you're popping a lot of spells and doing stuff like that to make your opponents lose cards. And usually in Pokemon, you're pretty much relying on your Pokemon's actual attacks while playing a control, like, sub-game in the background, trying to control your opponent's board state and keep them in a hole. It's just magic goes like more aggressive with it, I guess is what I'm saying. Is yeah, like an example. Yeah, I, I, I guess that equivalent for us would be like putting mill effects on trainer cards. Uh, yeah. Which, which they did do once, uh, or at least 
not once, but they did it uh, in the Sun and Moon era with uh, Belalba and Bryson Man, and that card got banned. So <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, yeah, play. Yeah, just milling five off of a supporter was kind of nuts. So <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess that was a well deserved ban. Yeah. All right, moving on. Here we have a. Uh, the- Don Donzo? Dodozo? Don Dozo? Don Dozo! There we go, Don Dozo. I don't know why that name makes me laugh. I'm sorry. Because he's a oh. bozo. <laughs> uh, the picture is hilarious, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. On the card <laughs> art, you know, you have your boy here. He's like big with his mouth open. And it's just a tiny little, <laughs> just a tiny little fish waving from his mouth, dude. Yeah, the Tatsugiri. He's commanding yeah. the Don Dozo. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, anyway. So his first attack, Vent Wrath, two colorless energy, 50 times damage. This attack does 50 damage for each Tatsuguri in your discard pile. So, I mean, that's what, a potential 200 damage? Yep, for two colorless energy. That's pretty crazy. Pretty good. And not... Too terribly difficult to get there either with things like Professor's Research and like Ultra Ball and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you could be throwing out those those Tatsugiris fairly quickly. And of course, you have double turbo energy in the format still, which is going to put us down to 180 with four Tatsugiri. But like, well, whatever. That's not really the end of the world. And Dondozo has 160 HP as a basic Pokemon. That is pretty crazy. That's a lot. <laughs> As far as uh, basic one prizers go, um, that's definitely the higher threshold. I can't, I really can't think of much else that's like made higher than I think like Radiant Eternatus at 170 is like the only other thing I can think of. Uh, But yeah, for a basic, that is just astronomically high. All right, and we are fixing to round things out here. We've got Bayonet EX. Now, Bayonet EX is a Stage 1 Psychic-type Pokemon with 250 HP. For one Psychic Energy, has the Eternal Darkness attack. It deals 30 damage, and your opponent cannot play any item cards from their hand during their next turn. So, on a Stage 1, 1 Energy, 30 damage, item lock. Not bad. And then, for a Psychic and a Colorless, you have the attack Poltergeist. Look at your opponent's hand. This attack does 60 damage for each trainer card in your opponent's hand. So, a little bit of synergy there. You item lock for a little while, and as the trainer cards start to build up in your opponent's hand, you drop a Poltergeist on them and deal massive damage. Uh, We've seen stuff like this in the past. Um, Kind of like a combination of, like, uh, Seismitoad EX and Gengar Mimikyu Tag Team GX uh, for any of the older players. Uh, which, you know, all of that scares me entirely because I hated both of those cards. <laughs> so I am a, I'm a little terrified of Bayonet EX here, but um, surprisingly, a lot of the community has been kind of back and forth on whether or not this will see a ton of play because mm-hmm. obviously item lock is very good, right? Like that's never not going to be good. But you're only dealing 30 damage. And very similarly to Clef Key, you know, while you are preventing item lock and you are doing a little bit of chip damage, eventually they're going to get set up, right? Yeah. And at that point, if you haven't really done a lot of damage to their board at that point, you know, what good did item locking for the last seven turns do you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
So that's a weird one. I personally think that there's like maybe like one deck that can use this effectively and just call it a day. But even then, I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't do this as its own archetype. Certainly. Yeah, no. It's a... Poltergeist is a little too unreliable, I think, to be, you know, to rely on being, like, your main attack in your deck. Right. But I think... I don't know. I'm a little iffy on this card. I'm going to be honest. I think it has the potential to be good, but... I think we're going to need to see some more or other cards first that maybe will help partner up and complement it well. Yeah, so a lot of the popular combinations I've seen for this card in Japan is uh, obviously with Gardevoir EX, you know, you just item block mm -hmm. while you set up the Gardevoir and then, you know, you go to town. Pop out, yeah. Uh, or implying the same strategy, but with Giratina V-Star. Hmm. So basically taking a slower game, uh, you know, splitting your evolution line between Bayonet EX and the Lost Origin Bayonet, which gets supporters out of your discard pile. And instead of relying on Comphase to fill your Lost Zone, you would essentially just item lock your opponent and then use Colrus and the One Prizer Bayonets to fill up your Lost Zone and then go to town while your opponent is stuck being unable to play items. Sounds pretty scary. <laughs> Definitely sounds scary. But outside of those, I don't really see much of a place for Bayonet EX. And again, I don't think it's particularly great as its own personal archetype. Mm -hmm. But yeah, anyway, um, Item Lock Giratina, I, don't, I really don't like the sound of that. <laughs> oh, it sounds terrifying. Definitely scary. But, uh... Alright, moving on to our last card that we're covering here. Uh... Mousehold. I think I said that right. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know why these new Pokemon. I, like their names, they just do not connect with me. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. With actual pronunciations, they they have started to get very strange. Yeah. So, for its first attack here, one colorless slap, forty damage. Pretty respectable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> A solid forty. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> course the reason you're playing this card is for a second attack here family attack for two colorless energy this attack uh does 70 damage for each of your mouse holds in play that's pretty good if you get uh, a full bench going with yeah. one of the active you get all four mouse hold in play you're just like yeah here's 200 280 damage just clean that's without yeah. damage modifiers yeah 280 damage for two colorless energy on a one prizer. Uh, yeah, it dude, it's so it's so goofy. Like I feel like that obviously that's a lot of damage, but I feel like it's weirdly going to be a little difficult to set up, so I almost am like a little unsure of its viability. But yeah, come we on. Should, you got to try mention, it at uh, least once. Yeah, should mention this thing only has 70 HP, so it's 100% dying after you swing. Hear me out, hear me out. Zoroark Mousehold. <laughs> Phantom transformation into the Mouseholds repeatedly. It's not... I Honestly, that's not a bad idea. I'm yeah, not against that. I, I, I think that's like the first idea everybody came to, but like, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. It's a Mousehold. Look at them. They're adorable. 
We get the population bomb in the TCG too. Heck yeah, mm -hmm. dude. I, I actually really like this card. I, I might I might try to build this, if nothing else, for a fun little cheap budget deck to take the locals, if nothing else. I think it'd be really fun. I think this definitely, you can make a great for fun deck. I don't, if you have a locals, I know ours up here sometimes uh, does like lesser meta decks on Sundays and stuff like that. If you have a locals that does things like that, this is, I think this would be like the perfect deck to build to bring out. It'd be a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, just simple... You know, Zoroark's Mouseholds, Curlia's, and just go, you know? <laughs> yeah. That does sound like a lot of fun. But I think that's going to do it for all of the new cards from Scarlet EX and Violet EX. We didn't cover all of them. Uh, we skipped over the ones that we covered in previous episodes. So if you're curious about things like Coridon EX, Miraidon EX, Revavroom, uh, you know, things of that nature... Uh, definitely go check out uh, some of our older episodes where we have covered these cards already. And there are a couple other cards that we just decided to skip for the sake of time. So if you're curious about more Scarlet and Violet cards that uh, could be playable, definitely check out the episode, descri uh, the episode description. I'll leave a link to the article we are referencing uh, as thanks to Mr. Justin Basil. Appreciate you. Uh, go show him some love on his website. He runs an absolutely killer website. Uh, so check out that link if you're interested in seeing the other cards, especially all of the uh, artworks, you know, all these illustrator rares, amazing cards. Uh, but yeah, I think that's going to do it. And with that, that's episode 27 in the bag. In the bag. Had to, had to remember for a second there. I want to thank everybody for listening to today's episode of Damage Counter Podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at MRDCP. You can find me at smiling underscore anarchy. And of course, you can follow the show itself on Twitter at Damage Counter. And of course, we'd love to hear what you have to say about all of today's topics, any of the news stories, our 60 card showcase, Zapdos is our card of the day. And of course, you know what? Question of the podcast. Let us know. Hit us up. What is your favorite card from Scarlet EX and Violet EX? We'd love to hear it. Let us know on Twitter. You can hit us up at our email, damagecounterpodcast at gmail.com, or you could bring the conversation directly to us in our Discord server. Links to that will be in the episode description. We'd love to keep the conversation going with you guys. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Again, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Audible, we'd appreciate a five-star rate and review. Those five stars really do help us get our show to more listeners so we can bring the conversation to more people. And of course, if you drop a five-star review, I will read it out here at the beginning of every episode uh, you know, as a way to say thank you for that. But with that being said, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. So until next time, everyone, take it easy.